Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Heritage Financial are not affiliated. Welcome to episode number three of Making Money Fun. I am John Jagge, joined as always by Shannon Tingerman. Last week, we talked about the difference between financial planning and investment management. Today, we're going to dive into Shanna's investment philosophy a little bit, what she believes and more importantly, what she doesn't believe and what you're going to get if she manages your investments. Shanna, great to be back with you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's jump right into it because I think this is such an important point of differentiation. What is an investment philosophy? It's really what I believe about investments in general and the market specifically and the markets at any given time. And so every investment advisor and financial planner and financial advisor kind of has their own beliefs. And there are two or three different prevailing beliefs in the industry. And I won't bore you with all the details on those, but it would be a good thing for you and your advisor to kind of agree on the broad strokes when it comes to what you believe and they believe on the markets and how your investments are going to be managed. And that way, you'll be able to really understand what moves are getting made and when they're getting made, and more importantly, agree with those. Got it. So why is it important to understand your advisor's investment philosophy? So if you don't understand it, at least at a very high level, you're not going to feel comfortable when you start seeing stuff happen. And I get that question a lot from prospects that come into my office. They will bring statements in and they'll say things like, you know, they're buying or selling different investments. I don't understand why. I don't know why we've purchased what we've purchased. And it just makes me a little uneasy. So the more you know, the more comfortable you are. You know, I think that goes with so many other things in life. If you think about going to a doctor, if they have a specialty, the doctor's going to say, here, I want to do this procedure. The doctor needs to explain to you why <laughs> they're going to do that procedure and what the risks are and what the rewards are and what the research is and what the prognosis is. I go back to this old Jeff Foxworthy routine <laughs> where he talks about the difference in accents between, yeah. for example, a redneck and a British guy. Have you heard this routine? <laughs> It's great. I love Jeff Foxworthy. Where he says, you know, say you're going for brain surgery. He says, you know, if you see some British doctor and he's going to say, all right, what we're going to do in there is we're going to uh, isolate the problem and fix the problem versus a redneck. What we're going to do is saw <laughs> off the top of your head, see if we can't get in there and find that dang burn clot. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a problem, I think, no, ma no matter how intelligent the redneck is. <laughs> exactly. So. You want to make sure that you're on the same page and you understand the why, which is really so important because I feel like there are so many people, Shanna, that just, they kind of check the box to get it done and talking to their advisor. All right, I gave it to him, her, her, and they said, I need to invest in these. So, okay, fine, do it. It's off my list. I can go focus on the rest of my to-do list for the day. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't something that is fun for most people, right? So they're a little bit intimidated by it. They really kind of want to just hand it off and give up the responsibility. And while I appreciate when my clients trust me at that level, <laughs> you know, I really want them to be a bit more active and at least understand at a basic level, kind of what our strategy is, what they can expect. And, you know, when things happen and they see the news or hear the news or read the news on social media, they can kind of anticipate 
my reaction or lack of reaction based on what they know about my investment philosophy. I like that a lot. If you're on the same page, um, if you see sometimes people panic when they see headlines and a lot of the cable news networks and the financial networks like to put sensational headlines because fear and anger motivate people a lot more than everything's happy and great. So yep. I would imagine if a client has you as an advisor and you've really gone into your philosophy and you're on the same page, they'll see one of these crazy headlines in the newspaper or, or the website, I should say nowadays, and uh -huh. TV and say, oh, okay, well, Shannon and I have talked about that. That's not anything to freak out over. Absolutely. And one of the jokes that I used to make that I still make to this day is that the news and I used to be in the media a long time ago, I sold advertising. So I get this at a different level than a lot of people do. But newspapers, social media and, you know, the Internet websites, they don't make money if they don't sell space and they don't sell space if they don't have sensational articles. And sometimes that means sensationalized articles. So mm -hmm. what ends up happening in reality is usually the opposite of what we see in the media. And so one of the things that I always tell clients is that, you know, if they're frustrated by something going on in the economy or the markets or even specifically their investments, if their investments have corrected and maybe taken a little bit of a drop over a period of time before they march into my office, make sure they bring a blank check because that's the right time to invest. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. I go back to, a, I have a media background too and working in radio. One of my uh, mentors in radio told me that people make decisions based on emotions, not facts. And then they find facts to justify those decisions later. That's exactly it. All these media outlets of any kind, if you can tap into an emotion with somebody, that's going to get them to act. So I think having that overall philosophy is really huge. And getting into that, Shanna, tell us about your investment philosophy. I love analogies, and this is one that I use all the time. So when I was growing up, my mom used the crock pot to cook a lot. My husband mm -hmm. has put his foot down and will not allow a crock pot in my home. When too many episodes of This Is Us or what's the... I guess. I don't know. He just doesn't love it. But I grew up eating all kinds of stuff that mom would put in in the morning and take out when we got home and got ready for dinner. And when I would get home from school, I'd want to know what was in the crock pot. So I'd mm -hmm. call her, and if I couldn't get a hold of her, I'd want to peek under the... The lid. The lid of the crock pot to see what was in there. And <laughs> she always got all over my case because when you lift the lid, it slows down the cooking process or in some right. cases stops the cooking process. So <laughs> she would say, don't mess up dinner. And I'd get all frustrated. And investments are very similar to the crock pot. Um, if you tinker with them too much, if you buy or sell or do the wrong thing at the wrong time, it can really slow down or halt your results. And so that really is my investment philosophy is to mess with things as little as we possibly can get away with because investments and the market are designed to do their own thing in their own time. I like that. And now you're making me hungry. <laughs> I know you're in Phoenix up here in Michigan. It's getting colder and it's uh, crockpot weather. So I know. I'm think, now you're going to be thinking about chili and you know, <laughs> football food and, and a whole bunch of stuff. You know, you mentioned that you don't want to mess and rock the boat or rock the crockpot in this case too much. <laughs> With all that financial planning work you do for your clients, how do you manage the buying and selling of all their investments as well? So the easy answer is I don't anymore. I used to be the one that did all of the tactical buy and sell decisions. And what I've learned is that there are people far smarter than me 
at making those decisions so that I can focus on being in the room with my clients when I'm in the room with them and not being worried about what's going on in the market. So I employ third-party money managers for the vast majority of the assets that I manage. They get paid a portion of my fee, so it's not an additional cost to my clients. They're actually getting two for one because I'm watching it and so are the money managers. And my job then becomes to manage the managers and make sure they're doing their job. And I get to see everything they're doing. I get to watch the trades that they're making. And that's kind of fun for me because I don't have to be the one responsible for it. We just get to reap the benefits. And I think that's important too, because when you talk about having a financial person, there are some financial advisors whose bottom line and salary is tied to commissions and selling certain things. But you kind of bring the best of both worlds because you have access to those assets, but your priority is the client's financial well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to make sure that their investments that they have are just a tool to help us achieve the goals in their financial plan. And really the only way to do that is to make sure that the assets are being managed based on what they want and what they need in an appropriate strategy and for the long term and really to have that long term view. Got it. So what kinds of investments should listeners be cautious of? Yeah, there are so many out there that I think get um, a bad name. And I don't know that there are necessarily specifically bad investments, but there may be investments that aren't appropriate for you. So it could be whatever the craze of the year is, right? Like I always kind of compare that to Beanie Babies when we were growing up. You (laughs) You and I are kind of the same age, right? You remember that craze where everybody had to have the Beanie Baby of the week and they were going to be worth millions of dollars someday, right? Funny story, my wife, uh, when she was, I think, in high school, worked at one of those kiosks in the oh, mall and man. sold those Beanie Babies. And I think she kept a couple, but she didn't keep the right <laughs> ones. She should have kept the really <laughs> rare ones, and that'd be our retirement plan. There you go. And every year or couple of years, there's a Beanie Baby um, in the investment world. So a few years ago, it was Bitcoin. Yeah. And now it's you know marijuana or marijuana-type um, companies. And so those are investments just to be really, really cautious about. They could escalate or dramatically increase in price, but just as quickly decrease in price. And so those are things to be cautious of. If anybody is telling you that the sky is falling and you've got to buy this type of investment because it's going to solve all of your problems, chances are, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You know, I go back to 20 years ago, that big dot-com bubble where Mm. everybody was, the internet was in its sort of in its infancy and just blowing up everywhere. And Mm -hmm. people were just diving in and buying all these tech stocks. Then all of a sudden that bubble burst and a lot of people were hurting. And that's a good analogy with, you know, Bitcoin and and now this marijuana stuff lately. It's everybody's Mm -hmm. excited because everything's getting legalized in so many states, but it's such a new thing. We don't know what the long-term prognosis for it's going to be, right? Yeah, we don't. And we don't know if the government's going to come in and outlaw it all. And then, (laughs) you know, we end up in, you know, if you own a lot of that, you end up in trouble. So you've just really got to take a long-term focus. If you're doing anything for the short term, whether it's investing or, you know, betting it all on double zero in Las Vegas, it's probably not going to turn out well. (laughs) I should not have told you I was in Las Vegas last week before we started this conversation. (laughs) I did not bet on double zero. I know better. Oh, that's funny. Awesome. Speaking of things to stay away from, Shanna, what kinds of investments will you not help a client with? That's another great question. So if you come to me and ask me to help you buy Bitcoin, gold, silver, classic cars, artwork, those are types of things that I really don't get into advising clients on. 
So a good rule of thumb here would be if you've seen it on an infomercial when you can't sleep at 2.30 in the morning, that's probably <laughs> something you're not going to want to get involved with. Exactly. Um, short-term trading is another thing that I don't do. So options um, are very, very risky. You can make a lot of money or lose a lot of money. I'm licensed to do it. I won't help a client with it because it's not something that I do for my own money. So those types of things. If you want to day trade, I'm not the person to come to because again, it's just far too much risk for the average person. So anything that doesn't have a a long-term goal is not something that I'm best suited to help you with. Because you're worried about the long-term, making sure somebody is comfortable retiring. Exactly. So I think it's really important, as we said at the top here, to know your advisor's philosophy so that you can be on the same page and understand the why behind all this stuff, which can be complicated for some people. And as we said, some people just want to check the box and say, here, Shannon, take care of it. I don't want to deal with it. But if you have that deep understanding of it and understanding of what you will or won't do for a client and when to panic and when not to panic and everything else, I think it makes for such a better relationship because as much as people want to you know, blow out this off as another task, you're talking about your future here, mm-hmm. your money, your retirement. And it is so important. So you want to have somebody that you trust and that you are on the same page with. Not like you said, you get this report every quarter and say, I don't don't know why they did this, but uh, I trust them, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, so important. And at least to be able to understand it at a very high level so that if you're having a conversation with somebody that is maybe asking questions or telling you things, you want to be able to have that conversation in a way that makes you feel confident. Got it. All right, so if somebody wants to come talk to you, Shannon, what are the best ways to get a hold of you? Go to my website, which is heritagefinancialaz.com and click schedule a consultation and you'll be able to schedule it right there on my website and I'd love to meet you. Excellent. It is episode number three of Making Money Fun. Next time, we are going to talk about how Shannon measures and helps you measure your investments. So look forward to our next podcast, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you.